Coming to you from Beaumont, this is your house call. My mom is the pioneer of our family. She immigrated here from India in 1976 to build a new future. She worked as an ICU nurse in Detroit and was very active in the community. She learned a new culture, raised two girls with my father in a completely different country from what she knew. She taught me everything I knew. She taught me to walk, read, write, dance, drive, taught me leadership skills, innovation, all of these things I learned from my mom. When I was a resident in my second year of residency, I noticed a lot of changes. She started having a lot of trouble driving. She gotten in two or three car accidents. She started losing her confidence. She seemed forgetful, tearful, and afraid. We thought that maybe she was struggling with depression. We didn't know what was going on. She was 63 when she was diagnosed with posterior cortical atrophy, a rare form of dementia that affects both memory and vision. The news was devastating to our family, but especially to her. Now my father and I are her caregivers. It's really tough to see your parents, who once took care of you, needing so much help. It's hard to see someone you love decline. But I can be her advocate, her support, as long as I have the opportunity to do so. But I still worry about my dad going through caregiver fatigue. And I worry about my mom's well-being. And I always wonder, am I doing enough? Hello and welcome to the Beaumont House Call Podcast. I'm Dr. Asha Shahjahan. Our goal is to give you information to help you and your families live smarter and healthier lives. Today we're talking about caring for elder parents. We'll talk about how you know when your parents need help and what resources are available to you and how to have a conversation about aging. So we'll start the conversation with Marsha Filik. Marsha Filik is the Director of Personal Assistance Services at Beaumont Health. Marsha, thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me. Marsha, tell us a little bit about what you do. I'm the Director for Private Duty and Geriatric Care Management. So Private Duty is having home health aides and companions come into the home to assist with personal care, companionship, errands, light housekeeping. And then our geriatric care management program is a professional, sort of a surrogate family member, that will assist our seniors to age gracefully as they wish and communicating with the family back and forth. And we have start with an assessment and go through a full program of what's best for that individual, including responding to crisis situations. Is that a paid uh, service or is that covered by insurance? It is um, private pay in most situations. Mm -hmm. Some long-term care insurance policies will provide those services. Okay, so I, I was, we just got over the holidays, and a lot of adult children were returning home uh, to visit their family, you know, um, bring the kids home to see grandma and grandpa. And a lot of people see many changes in their parents, right? It's like um, suddenly they're just not um, cleaning the way they used to. The house looks a little bit disarray. You might see some spoiled food in the fridge. Um, parents repeating themselves. And, you know, a lot of kids who live away from home and uh, or adult children who live away from home call in and say, check on their parents once a week. And parent says, everything's fine. You know, mom's doing great. Dad's doing great. And then when they come home, they see it's completely different. And it's often very shocking uh, to the adult children. And they, they don't know what to do. They, they think their parent needs help, but the parent's saying everything's fine. Well, how would you approach that situation? 
Um, a couple things. This is usually our busy time of year right after the holidays because the adult children see these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, some of those key indicators, as you just mentioned, but um, being unkept, the house unkept. Another big one when we get a call is when somebody's um, bills are unpaid and so the utilities have been shut off or something mm-hmm. like that. That sometimes is a key indicator for the adult children. Um, and then to start with, having that conversation, you know, how can I help? And even talking to our parents about how they took care of their parents mm-hmm. or their um, aging loved ones. And, you know, going back to, Mom, remember you helped Grandma do this or that, and now how can I help you? So that's a, a key time to start having that. The sooner the conversation, the better, um, and to approach those things. So sometimes that conversation can be really hard. Um, Care.com did a survey where it said 54% of adult children would rather talk to their kids about the birds and the bees than talk to their parents about elder care. So how do you approach that conversation? Because uh, it it can be awkward to talk to your loved one about needing extra help or maybe having to remove them from their home and that type of thing. Uh, Again, start that conversation early, but approach it with what are their wants and wishes. How would you like to age gracefully, and what can I do to help you with that? Um, It's difficult. Um, A lot of our seniors currently, you know, their parents didn't live to the 70s, 80s, 90s, even hundreds that we're seeing, so they never approach these conversations. Um, And then making sure that it's respectful, most importantly, above anything else, but how do they want those things done? Even having the conversations about money and where they are financially. Um, a lot of times our parents don't want to discuss that with us. They don't want to be a burden to their children. But again, being a team and collaborative that we're working on this together. And, and how often should you call or check in? So if you're not living in the home with them and you're either, you know, maybe live 30 minutes away or 300 miles away, Uh, What are your suggestions there? I do suggest that somebody is calling and checking in on them daily because so much can change even in that 24 hours. Um, When I first started as a geriatric care manager, the first lady I talked to was in her late 90s, and she told me that the good Lord had forgotten about her and everybody else had passed. She had two adult children, um, one in a distance in Michigan, one close by, and excuse me, and a third one um, that lived in California. And they had a good system where somebody was talking to her daily. When I first seen her, she didn't want a personal emergency response button, which I advocate for any senior. You said she didn't want one? She did not want one. She told me she had her cell phone. And the best we can figure is her um, daughter from California talked to her Friday afternoon, and her daughter um, that lived here in Michigan um, seen her Sunday and found her on the floor. And she had been laying there, we don't know for how long. She fell coming down the steps. Phone went on the other side of the room, and she laid there till they found her. When I visited her in the hospital, she said, I'm ready to go, but not like this. Yeah. Um, so I advocate the personal emergency response buttons, and a lot of those systems um, will have where somebody from the company will call and check on them daily, too. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I, I honestly think that's a great idea. My, my aunt also, who is a completely you know, fine and mobile and does all of her activities of daily living. She also had a fall where she slipped down the stairs and the family was out of town for the weekend and she laid on the floor for the whole weekend. Right. Um, and I think it's embarrassing. They, I don't want to wear this awkward looking thing, but they actually sell them now that look like necklaces exactly. or um, bracelets or watches. So um, it might be something to consider that to have that emergency button because if you're on the floor, you can't really get to 
call anybody. Exactly. It's really hard to accept that things have changed. My mom relies a lot more on me and my father, and I know it angers her sometimes because it's that loss of autonomy. How do you avoid role reversal? First of all, respect. Again, for who they are, who they have been, their accomplishments, and then capitalizing on their strengths. What are they able to do now? Mm-hmm. Breaking down a task. If it's you know helping in the kitchen, can I have them cut up a banana to go in the jello so that they have purpose and value as so well? Keeping them involved. Very much so. Um, the other thing with role reversal is if you start early on with it, you're able to that gradually move into it. And then acknowledging their feelings that, you know what, I know this is awful and it's hard and you're not able to do this for yourself. And again, give them kudos that you raised me well and you took care of me and now I can pay you back, Mom, and do these things for you as well. And is depression a normal part of aging? Depression is not a normal part of aging. What are some signs that we can look for it to see if your um, aging loved one is depressed and then ways that we can look for help for them? Withdrawal and withdrawal from normal activities. And sometimes that can be masking, too, if they're having any memory issues, as well as it's self-preservation and they withdraw. Other depression signs, not eating well, not um, you know, finding enjoyment in anything like that. And you really need to um, have them see their physician first to look and see if there's any medical reason Mm -hmm. that's going on. And then have them see a psychologist who can help them. And, you know, maybe they need medication, maybe they don't. But to work with them, what is it that's missing that's causing them to be depressed? And a lot of times it's loneliness, that they're not having interaction with other people. I suggest to a lot of families, if everybody picks a day once a month that they're calling grandma or going to visit her, it makes that loneliness go away. It holds off the depression. Yeah, I had a patient, um, an elderly patient that had come into the office and was talking to me about Um, her grandchildren. And she said, oh, I love them so much. And I want to talk to them daily, but they're so busy. When I call them, it's a five minute conversation. And it's like, I got to go grandma. And then it makes me more sad. And so I talked to her about what are her other avenues of socialization? You know, who else can she spend time with so that she has, she's got her five to 10 minute conversation with her grandchildren, but maybe she's um, going out and meeting people at the senior center or going um, to exercise if she's able to do that and those sorts of things. And I know even with my my own parents, like um, I think my dad suffers a little bit from some mild depression and he's um, been starting to go to the gym. He he takes my mom to the gym. Um, He's eating better and he's uh, making, um, he loves to play cards. So he has like days on Fridays where he plays cards so he can socialize with his friends. Because it's like those are the natural things that you can do, right, to Mm -hmm. help fight depression. So like exercising, good nutrition, and socialization are things that can can be done to sort of help out and then obviously seeing the doctor for, for further care. Correct. Those are all great things. And sometimes as we're aging, we think um, maybe due to incontinence issues or memory issues, well, I can't go out in the public. But there's resources out there and things to use so that you can live your life as normal as possible. Even the Alzheimer's Association has gatherings at restaurants Mm -hmm. or some of the museums where it's a day where everybody that's coming there is bringing a loved one who has memory issues. So it's not odd for somebody. You don't feel like, oh, everybody's looking at me. Yeah, the DIA has a program um, 
that's similar to the MoMA's Meet Me at the MoMA, yes. uh, where it's all um, people who have dementia that come to the museum for the day. So if there's wandering going on or if there's yeah, yelling out of turn, it's not looked frowned upon or um, everyone there is, is there for that day. And the loved ones can come too. So, right. so there's a lot of talk about the ne- negative aspects of caring for elder parents. You know, I know from personal experience, it's really difficult and heart-wrenching. And I think there are some things that are redemptive about it. So, for example, I feel like I'm much closer with my parents than I were be- I was before um, because of all the time I'm spending with them. What are some positive aspects of elder care? We're always talking about how much it's a burden, but really there's some positive aspects of it too. Very much so. Um, learning about their lives, even though these are stories you may have mm-hmm. heard all of your life, you may get a new nuance to it or having them explain to you how they got their first job, or words of wisdom about marriage, about children and that. And I suggest that families record that Mm -hmm. for younger ones who may not be able to hear that now, but they can hear what grandma has to say. That's a good Um, idea. I love that. Yeah, it's a wonderful tool that, oh, this is grandma's own voice about these things. But it is a matter of, um, you know, what is it that they're telling you? I luckily have been blessed with my role in that, um, doing the geriatric care management. I feel like I've seen the backside of the Industrial Revolution in Dearborn with all the engineers and people who had um, theaters and stuff like that. And to hear what went on in that years ago in the 50s and the 60s, 40s even, um, you know, political commentary and that and how they viewed it because they lived through it. And, you know, that's something we don't get to hear all the time. So again, those positives, you know, and a lot of times our older adults just want to tell us about how they appreciate you, you know, and what you've done for them and stuff. And they're great at building you up. If you're having a bad day, go talk to them. (laughs) (laughs) So my dad is my hero. He takes such good care of my mom. Uh, He took an early retirement and he cooks all the meals. He takes care of all of her activities of daily living. And he does it with so much grace and love. And as a daughter, I just wonder, like, how can I better support him? I can see his frustrations and all the things that he's going through. Um, you know, I try to give him a break when I can or spend more time with him. But how else can I help? It, those are all important. And, you know, statistics show us that typically our caregivers who are spouses have a 60% chance more of passing away than the individual they're taking care of because they don't take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. They're not doing follow-up doctor's appointment. They're not getting good sleep. They may be trying to think for two people, so they're doing that double duty. So it's important that family members do give them breaks, but I suggest giving them scheduled breaks. I'm coming every Wednesday night at 5 o'clock. Dad, you can do whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. And give him permission. It's okay. He doesn't have to be doing something constructive. If he wants to sleep, if he wants to read a magazine or watch the sports event, those are okay. It's not that he has to be on stage working all the time. Mm-hmm. I also suggest to families to have a white erase board in the home and for the caregiver to write their wish list list of things that they want. And this is really good for holidays and birthdays and things like that. Maybe one day he's having a rough day and he said, you know what, I'd like to just be able to go golfing. So when the family comes in, it's like, you know what, Dad, we're going to make that happen and really taking care of them. And then how can you help also with things like uh, cleaning and getting respite care or maybe meals? Like for Christmas, I bought my dad a Roomba. And so it's like it vacuums on its own like at night and he actually finds it very entertaining. But it's very helpful too because you don't need someone to vacuum regularly. But um, what are some resources that people can have to try to help their parents in in that capacity? And is everything a pay out of pocket or are there any free services available? 
there, there's very limited free services unless you're low income. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was part of the reason we started the geriatric care management program um, was that people didn't know what resources were out there. And right. we always tried to maximize insurance first. But it is that you need to, um, you know, look resources and continue to look for those. The Alzheimer's Association, Jewish Family Services, you don't have to have um, a memory issue or be Jewish to use those services, but they have a lot of resources as well um, that can help. And to, you know, continue looking out there, private duty services, hiring somebody to come in the home, and that there's times where family members can't be there to assist, but again, like building that relationship. find that? Like, oh, need someone to come in the home, and, and that's kind of scary, too, because you don't know about their background, right. and you don't know if your loved one's going to react well to them. So it's like, how do you even, like, I, I've even tried looking online, like a care.com or something, and it gets overwhelming. It does. Um, a couple things. First of all, let's start out with, if you're in a financial situation where you can do that, you want to make sure you have a good, credible company. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people will go to somebody in the church or something like that, and that's fine. But two things I caution families on is to make sure, one, that um, you're writing a check and you have some type of contract that says, I'm paying X amount of dollars for these type of services. Because if you get in the situation where you have to have a file for Medicaid, they'll do a five-year look back. And so you have proof that I've been paying for care. The other thing I caution families about is that if it's an individual coming in your home and they get hurt while on the premises, it goes against your homeowner's insurance. Oh, wow. So I suggest that you use a company that has workman's comp and all of that. Um, Through Beaumont, through our personal assistance services, all of our employees are background checked, drug screened. Um, They have a supervisor. They have somebody um, doing education monthly with them. And they're in the home. They have a resource to reach out to. So they're not just by themselves. And I tell families, if it's not a good fit, it's sort of like dating. Find Mm -hmm. somebody else. Just don't say, oh, that didn't work. And then, you know, we have reports where families tell us, you know, she was a godsend. She's our angel. She's become a family member to us now and stuff because they build that relationship, especially when it comes to personal care, too. And that's hard for children and spouses sometimes to do and set those boundaries. So it's easier to do hired help. Do you know approximately how much that would cost? Let's say you need cleaning services and, I don't know, maybe a bathing service like three times a week or once a week. It does depend on typically the number of hours that an individual's coming and then what type of service they're providing, but an average would be 20 to $28 an hour. Okay. Um, and then thinking about keeping parents more independent and our loved ones at home, what are some things that can help them, you know, uh, whether it's visual aid or hearing aid or even driving help? I, I, I saw some helpful apps and gadgets out there. So like one of my friends got a webcam and she said, well, you know, I have a webcam at the home. So if, if I don't hear from mom or dad, if I'm calling, um, I turn on the webcam and see what, what's happening. But uh, we were talking about it. It was a group of us. And some were saying, well, isn't that an invasion of privacy kind of? And, or does safety come first? I mean, what are your thoughts about something like having a webcam on premise? Um, I've had some personal experience with that. Um, I had a son that was in another state, his parents here. And just those things that you said, he's, you know, what happens if they don't answer the phone? 
And they had private duty services in there through the day, but at night, typically, there wasn't an issue. Um, so he had that conversation with his parents. Here's where I want to put cameras, and here's what I can do. And again, getting their permission. So um, one evening, he had one in their bedroom, in their kitchen living room, obviously not one in the bathroom. But um, he got up in the morning, turned on his computer, and looked, and Dad wasn't in the bed. So he's trying to look. Well, he found Dad on the floor at the bed. Mom's sleeping. Dad looks okay. He called um, the private duty aides and said, you know, I I don't know what's going on. Can you go over there and that? Well, come to find out, Dad had got up at night to go to the bathroom, and on his way back got tripped in the blankets, and his wife told him, said, you're not hurt. I'm not waking anybody up. (laughs) Threw him a pillow and said, we'll deal with it in the morning. But again, it's that peace of mind to know where they are and what's going on. Yeah, so just probably getting permission from the parent. Exactly. Because it could be really helpful. Um, And then there's this thing called the um, Kangen watch. Have you heard of that? Yes. It's like a smart watch. So it's not attached to a phone. So a lot of um, people get kind of turned off by the iPhone. It's too complicated or whatever. But it reminds you to take medications. Um, It can guide you back home if you get lost. Um, and you, again, you don't need to have an iPhone. It's just this watch that kind of reminds you, you know, wh- where you should be, what you should be doing. So I thought that was kind of neat. The technology things are really neat, but we have to make sure that they're simple for our older adults to understand what's going on with them. And that sometimes I see the older adult, they have no idea to even the watch, how does it get me back home? What do I push? (laughs) Um, There are GPS units out there. There's one that goes in a shoe, actually, that a young man um, developed for his grandfather who had dementia and was wandering. So it's in a shoe. So he's going to put his shoes on to go out of the house. And they were able then to pull it up on their iPhone and say where grandpa was, that type of thing. Um, I know with my own mother-in-law and the personal emergency response button, I got her the one that if she she had a couple falls, it goes off. And um, so she was using it when she laid down, and there's a way to push a button. But she goes, they keep calling and asking me if I'm okay. Oh, gosh. (laughs) So we had to do some education. But her big thing is she had fell twice outside of her apartment, and I didn't need her laying on the sidewalk somewhere. And they call us and let us know um, that, you know, the alarms went off. And But nine times out of ten, they ask her if she's okay, she's fine. Yeah, and then mobility is a big issue, too. I think uh, once you can't drive, it becomes really hard. And I have several patients that come in and say, well, I can't come back, Doc, because I need to find someone to give me a ride. Um, and I'll say, well, your insurance company should be able to give you a ride. Well, I, I need a ride to go to the grocery store. I, I just need a ride to get out there. Um, and I heard there's a, there's this thing called Go Go Grandparent where you can request a ride. So, and it's also without an iPhone. So there's Uber and Lyft and all those things, but sometimes they're a little bit complicated to use or you have to download the app. And this is just, you can call a number and they'll pick you up and take you where you need to go and, and bring you back. Um, which somewhat comparable prices. Mm-hmm. And those are good resources. Some of the things we run into is those individuals may not be educated to what an older adult may need. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you look at private duty services where you have a home health aide come in, they've been educated. And so it's another set of eyes and ears um, that, okay, mom's taking you know twice as long at the grocery. What's going on? Is there more confusion? That type of thing as well. And then what are your thoughts about these senior scams that are going on? I've had three or four patients come in um, complaining about the fact that their adult uh, or their their parent is they're on Facebook or they're getting phone calls and they're they're getting scammed. How do we protect our loved ones from these scams? 
Uh, again, first of all, communication, letting them know what's out there. And every time we think we've got one solved, um, there's another new way that they're doing it. Um, and asking, you know, I'm going to put money in your bank account. Can you give me your bank account number and stuff? Um, one of the other big scams that has been, they will look on Facebook, get a child's name that's in your family, and tell them, call them and say, I've got Johnny in that he's in trouble with the law. Can you sp send money for bail? Oh, and that um, one of um, my good friends, her husband got the call and he called her and said, you know, have you talked to our grandson today? And she said, yeah, I just did. Why? Well, I got a call that, you know, That's he's terrible. in jail and stuff. And then they even try to skirt it around. Um, I know I went to an education session a couple years ago and there was a heating and cooling company that was selling equipment to seniors. And were they getting the equipment? Yes, they were. Mm -hmm. They walked into one lady's basement. You could not walk into it because there was so much heating and cooling equipment oh, in there. Geez. But, I mean, they found a vulnerable individual, and they kept saying, you need this, you need that. And she was writing checks, oh, and she had the product, yeah. but you're exploiting a senior in that situation. Absolutely. I heard about a Medicare scam, too, where they're calling seniors and asking to verify their Medicare mm -hmm. card. And on the Medicare card, I think there's their Social Security number. And so that is also something to be concerned about. And so I always tell my patients, if you get a phone call from the IRS or you get a phone call from Medicare, it's most likely a scam because they will normally talk to you or communicate with you via mail. Correct. And the federal government did change um, in that they've taken Social Security numbers off those Medicare cards and have sent new ones out, but a lot of people still hold on to their old one. Um, but again, protect those Social Security numbers, because um, once somebody has that and puts together a little bit of information, they can do all kinds of things. And, and again, you know, just being aware and, you know, talking to your loved one who's aging and, you know, who's called today? Mm -hmm. Who did you talk to? And you'd be surprised some of the things that you hear. Yeah. Um, and even our do not call registries, maybe one point somebody called and said, you know, let me confirm your phone number. And guess what? It's on that list and they're selling it to the bad guys. Oh, jeez. Oh, I hate those scams. <laughs> exactly. Um, we live in like a youth-obsessed culture. There's anti-aging creams and people are always trying to get younger, Botox, etc. cetera. Um, and we sort of live in a fast-paced society and we lose sight of um, just kind of the normal things of having fun and, and spending time with people. What are some ways that we can just enjoy being with our loved ones and just in, improve their quality of life? First of all, you know, have a sense of humor in the everyday stuff. You'll find a lot of things when it doesn't go right, you know what, it's funny. <laughs> and, that, and, you know, laughter's uh, the best medicine. Mm -hmm. Your loved one will start laughing right along with you. Um, and that's first and foremost. But, you know, again, build on their strengths. What are they able to do? Maybe that card game, they're not able to keep track of points anymore, but they can still play the game with you. And so you take over keeping score. Um, getting out in the community, you know, as you said, our um, society doesn't look well upon aging, although it's slowly changing. Mm -hmm. um, and so people are getting out and being able to do more and being more active. Um, and that's most important. And I guess the other thing to think about is if somebody is offended by you being out with your loved one, maybe they need to be educated that, you know what, this first time my mom's been able to go out to dinner in a month and that, and we're celebrating that. Yeah. And celebrate those small successes too. You know what, I got mom in the shower today. It took me two hours, but to celebrate those things that are accomplished. 
Right. I know when, when there's good days, those are the best days. Exactly. You're just so happy. You're like, everything's so great. And then the next day might not be so great. But at least you can you can be happy about those small wins. It's good for family members to even journal those good days. So on the bad days, you can look back at those too. Yeah, it's funny. I feel like um, my mom was never really super funny when we were growing up, or at least I don't remember that. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden now, she's like a comic. It's like <laughs> everything that happens, it's so funny. She'll, you know, if she repeats herself over and over again, we'll be like, Mom, you just said that. And then she'll just crack a joke. And it's so funny. She's like, well, you know, I just thought you might have forgotten. Or, you know, she'll say something smart. They'll, they'll make us smile. So right. I think inserting that humor is really important because sometimes we can take on the stress and Every situation can be very stressful. If you look at um, an aging parent or loved one declining, it can be very stressful and sad. And being able to celebrate what they can do um, and just enjoying their company, I think, is is super important. You brought up a good point, the stress, and you need to be able to manage the caregiver stress. And some of the tools that you can do with that is there's support groups all over the place. Um, the Alzheimer's Association has a list. A lot of the um, senior alliances for each of the counties have a list of caregiver support groups. There's also blogs and things like that. And so you can enter, you know what, I, I'm having this issue with my loved one. How did you handle it? And other people um, write back how they handle Some of the caregiver support groups that I've been to lately are more male-dominated, and I think it's interesting. One, we have males providing caregiving that maybe they never did even as a parent with a child and that, so they're looking for resources. And I think the other thing is a lot of our um, females think that, well, I've always been a caregiver. This should be easy. It's not when you're taking care of a parent. It's very different than it was when you were a parent taking care of a child. So those resources of blogs and logs and stuff like that are all important. Let's talk about that for just a second, how you said a a lot of women think that, oh, they're like natural caregivers. Um, And it's like if you have a brother and sister, the burden, or I wouldn't say burden, but the responsibility tends to fall on the the either the eldest child or the uh, the female child, you know how can you share responsibility and not just to say well the female should just take care of mom and dad because she's the female, um, and I feel like that happens quite often in families. And then how do you also avoid that resentment because there's usually one child that sort of steps up and takes care whether they're local or the others are far and then it causes a lot of family tension that one person's taking care of the family so much and the other person's not around how do you share that role or kind of diffuse that situation among siblings this is probably the one I get the most from families is that um, they ask, what is it, you know, how do I get my family involved? And not only the role of the female, we see a lot of times if um, somebody works in health care, then they're mm-hmm. the appointed individual to take care of. I'm a doctor and <laughs> I'm a girl. Exactly. <laughs> um, so it is, you know, asking everybody and capitalizing on their strengths. Maybe somebody in the family is in the financial world. Guess what? You need to help take care of mom and dad's bills mm-hmm. and that. But capitalizing on the strengths, and the biggest thing is asking individuals, what do they want to do for mom and dad? It doesn't need to just be assumed that you're going to do this. Sometimes I get calls from children out of state, so they're doing all the phone calling and that because the other one's busy taking care of mom and dad. Um, The big thing, once everything's decided who's going to do what and how it's going to be done, is to keep a log. 
because um, mom and dad sometimes can rise to the occasion when the child from out of state shows up and they're like, what are you talking about? It's not that bad. She's doing fine. Right. And that, but keeping a log that they can um, in the home or even um, email online or something, there's some uh, resources too where you can do blogs, just have your family involved so that people can see how mom and dad are doing and giving people permission to say, you know what, I can't do this anymore. And the biggest thing is calling on professionals that do this, that want to do it, and that so that you can continue to have your relationship with your parent as your parent. I worked with one lady um, and her mom a couple years ago, and she was running a business and uh, very busy with that, but she was trying to take mom to all of her doctor's appointments and everything that mom needed to do and be compliant and get her medication. And they were constantly arguing because mom wasn't being compliant. And the doctor said this. No, the doctor said that. And when they hired me as a geriatric care manager in that, we worked those things out. I would report to the daughter. She still wasn't being compliant, but I was letting the doctor know, being the eyes and ears of the doctor, what was going on so they could take a different approach. And when mom passed away, the daughter said to me, thank you. You've given me the last year back so that I could be my mother's child, an adult child, and we've had a wonderful time. Oh, great. So, Marcia, thank you so much for your time. You shared a lot of great insights and great tips of things that we can do to help our aging loved ones. Thank you for having me. Don't forget, podcast listeners, we're working on future Beaumont House Call podcasts. We also want to remind you to send along any questions or suggestions to podcast at beaumont.org. In a future podcast, we'll be answering our mailbag. Till the next time, thanks for joining us on Beaumont House Call. We leave you today with this healthy thought. As mom or dad, they were once concerned with devoting their time and energy to our well-being. Now as adult children, we find ourselves doing the same thing for them. No matter how you look at caring for elder parents, we need to make sure that they're safe and happy and taken care of. If their well-being is ensured, then we'll have a peace of mind. And it's important to remember that caregiving, we know it's hard but we can do it with love and humor and respect and dignity and not treat our parents as if they're a burden. Something to remember is that caring for elderly parents shouldn't be a burden or a responsibility that you have to bear on your own. There's a lot of caregiver support as we talked about today. Consider palliative care or hospice care if it's appropriate for you. Watch for signs that your parent is changing and think about when you should intervene. And I can't stress enough to have that conversation conversation about how you want to live your life in your elder years and have that conversation now. Don't wait until things are different and difficult. It's something that we should all think about. There are many choices and options available to allow our parents to age well and live well. Please listen to our bonus conversation about palliative and hospice care. What are they and what resources are available to you? And don't forget to visit beaumont.org slash podcast to access information and resources related to today's podcast.